RPC Sermons Podcast. Today's episode is a special episode from our Facebook Live series entitled Closing the Distance. These are unscripted conversations with the pastors of RPC and various special guests reflecting on topics from our ongoing sermon series. If you're interested in learning more about this community of faith, visit roswellprez.org. Hello and welcome to Closing the Distance. I'm Reverend Carrie Weatherford, one of the pastors here at RPC. And each week, one of the pastors interviews our preaching pastor from the day before. And so today it's my pleasure to interview our senior pastor, uh, Reverend Jeff Myers, to do a deeper dive into our topic uh, from yesterday. And so it was a really fascinating topic. We looked at uh, the book of Esther, and, which doesn't actually reference God at all, which is, is interesting and really is a perfect fit for this series that we've been doing, The Hidden God, and looking at where God's at work, even in ways where we might not see God. So it was a fabulous sermon, um, and I was grateful to hear. It was a fabulous day in worship, too. So I do, let me give a little context, because to enter this conversation, um, I have to tell everybody who's listening, if they're not familiar, our children's ministry each spring puts on a musical and it's based on a book of the Bible. And so our children just this April put on a musical on Esther and part of her story. And so as Jeff is preaching yesterday, the children are just like looking up and they're getting so excited because they had played these parts in the musical and they know the story really well. But it also meant that there was a lot of fact checking going on <laughs> with our children um, and looking at, you know, oh, did Pastor Jeff pronounce that right? Or did, what's the deal with this name and that name? And so actually they brought up a really good um, question. And I, I know that it's, a, it's an interesting thing. So in the scripture that you read, the text said King Ahasuerus, but you referred to him with a different name in your sermon. So I would love for you to talk about just what both of those names, where they come from. Yeah, Carrie, that's a great question. Um, where I'm first, <laughs> I'd actually forgotten that the kids had done that musical. And so I, <laughs> I just was so wrapped up in my own head about Esther. I for, kind of forgot some of these details. And obviously, um, as I kind of summarized nine chapters uh, in 20 minutes, it was... Uh, mm -hmm left a lot of details out, had to kind of fudge the details just to tell the story um, in a coherent way as best I could. Um, so uh, the king, uh, the king's name, uh, I think it's in Hebrew, our Zurus, and then uh, it, that's derived from the Persian Xerxes. So it's the same person, um, and there were different Xerxes. So this is commentators trying to say this is why in Hebrew it's uh, 
Eris and and then in Persian Xerxes. Now, for everybody who um, you know, I always remind people, you know, if you mispronounce these names, that's okay. He, uh, ancient Hebrew is a dead language. We don't actually know how these names or even words were pronounced. Mm -hmm. It's not a one for one. Um, a match with what we consider modern Hebrew. So I think that's good for people to know and just, you know, have fun with it. And, uh, <laughs> you know, don't, don't put too much pressure on ourselves. Well, and it's true. And there's different ways that people even instruct people to say it these days. So we get curriculum in children's ministry. And oftentimes there are the pronunciations to help people that are teaching be able to pronounce these biblical names that are, you know, difficult. And so in the musical, it actually said Ahasuerus. And then in our Sunday school curriculum, it's Ahasuerus with the SH in the middle. And so, you know, we're doing the best we can, but I really did. Uh, I wanted people who might've been confused with what the scripture said and then how you refer to it in the sermon to make sure we knew we're not talking about two different Kings. It's the same guy just right. where these names are derived from. It's kind of so. like if you call um, like me, uh, Jeffrey or Jeff, or um, or in Spanish, you might El Jefe, or uh, you know, uh, you might call me that. And and then somebody later who is not familiar with Spanish be like, why are they calling him that? Exactly. Um, just a different, different name for the same person. Yeah, well, it was good. I was so glad that all the children were paying attention and it was so um, fun, so kind of, as you get into this story, you know, it's a story, it's got a villain who's, you know, really doing some horrible things. And one of our, our children that played the villain got excited every time you would talk about Haman because she was like, that's me. That was yeah. me. Um, but it was, it was such a neat connection uh, for our children to have really been studying the story and, and looking at what it means for us. And then to hear your take on it in worship was a very, very cool connection. And so I really loved how all of that came together. But speaking of Esther, she does have quite the story. And you, I was interested because you certainly highlighted the wonderful things that Esther did. And um, she saved a people and she, she stepped out in faith really boldly and and made a plan and it, it could have cost her her life. Um, and oftentimes we really stick to that part of Esther's story, but there's also a shadow side to Esther's story. And um, she, on the heels of that really positive thing, ends up making really terrible decisions that, you know, cost thousands of people their lives. And so, this brings me to my question here for you to start out with is I think that we've all been in places where we feel like, gosh, I don't know if I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Is this the, is this the right path? Is, am I acting because I um, am acting out of guilt or am I acting because I'm angry or out of fear? Because in Esther's story, you shared, you know, Esther and her people, the Jewish people were being, they were under attack by Haman and, and could have lost their lives. But in return, then after she has saved these lives, then she goes to cause harm and kill others who she perceives are a threat. So how would you, 
give somebody guidance as to thinking about where God's leading them. And they're making kind of big decisions for their lives that could go, you know, really well or really not, depending on who you're asking. But how do we figure out where God is calling us? What's, is this the right decision? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's a great question. One that I think anyone who's trying to be live a faithful Christian life really wrestles with a lot. And I think mm-hmm. you got um, to have the internal witness of the Holy Spirit in your own life. I think that you feel the God's movement in your heart and soul. But I also think you need the confirmation of your community. So people who know you well. Um, I've known folks who have kind of a, a, a personal counsel, you know, of three to five people that they will run mm-hmm. um, a, an important decision by. I'm thinking about this career change. Am I crazy? I'm thinking about doing, um, you know, uh, moving my family, whatever it might be. And uh, that community is really helpful in saying, you know what? You've got delusions of grandeur. You're acting really mm-hmm. right now. And to, and, to, and to challenge somebody, it has those have to be relationships and friendships of trust and vulnerability. Um, but then I also think we have to trust what our what our heart is telling us too. And I think it's the internal witness, but also the confirmation of those who are outside and of our community um, that help us navigate those. And I think mm-hmm. obviously um, we have to think about our own ethical kind of framework and how we interpret God's commands for our lives. Um, so, you know, like, uh, God, I, I think I should go kill, murder this person. Well, you might say, well, Jeff, um, that happens to break one of the more important commandments. Thou shalt not murder. That's clearly not in line with God's will. Mm-hmm. And so things like that, I think, are helpful as well, um, to a framework to think about the, our future. Absolutely. I think having that, that your own heart that where the Holy Spirit is working and, and seeking that wise counsel and and I think it's important too. you said community that knows you really well, but also community that is like you said, that's a trusted place where they're going to be honest with you, not just people who, you know, are going to agree with whatever you say yeah, and absolutely. to be and in that, mind with scripture. Yeah. And that's like why we, I mean, we emphasize community here at RPC that like, while we appreciate if you just listen to the sermons or listen to worship online or you um, you know, you, you, you come and sit in the back every day, but you never engage with anybody. Your faith is only going to be so deep and it's only going to mm-hmm. transform your life so much until you really start building those relationships of trust and vulnerability, um, that then it can be transform transformational. Absolutely. And we saw that in the first part of the story with Mordecai and Esther and having this trusted relationship and then even her, her relationship later with the king. Um, and I think that it was so powerful to have that scripture, to look at that, um, and the importance of community on a day where if you weren't in worship with us, this is a day where we ordained and installed our new class of what we call here elders who are uh, our governing body of our church. And something that's really important to, um, the Presbyterian church, uh, in general and Presbyterian church USA is that, uh, we all are part of this community and we all have gifts and talents and everybody um, is part of this and serving in this way. And so we call different people in our church. They're not, you know, they haven't been to seminary or they're not ministers, but they all have gifts and talents to help lead the church. And um, 
so you said this in your sermon yesterday was when I think Mordecai had gone to Esther and, you know, she's faced with this, you know, who am I to take this on? She's faced with that question. Mm -hmm. He's asking, he's coming to me, asking me to help save our people, but I'm going to take a risk. Who am I to take this on? And I think oftentimes we find ourselves in communities and say, well, I'm, I'm happy where I am, you know, whether it's, you know, sitting here listening, like you said, we want people to come and be in worship together, but, but we all are called to participate in faith and sharing the good news of Jesus in whatever ways we can and serving the church, whether it be, you know, even helping with, you know, building and property. We need people that are, that know about that. Cause goodness knows, I don't know about that. <laughs> um, so what would your encouragement be to people when they're faced with this question is particularly when we're talking about being involved in a faith community, who am I to do this? Who am I to take this on? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, I, I think it's important to recognize you can't do everything, but it's critical that you try to do something. And I think mm -hmm. there, you, we're all called to serve in some capacity. Um, and there are going to be a, a stages of our life where, you know, we serve in different capacity. You know, I was very involved in young adult ministry, you know, when I was a younger man, mm -hmm. <laughs> I did a lot of work like that. And that's just not where I'm at anymore um, mm -hmm. in my life. And I'm not able to do that. And that's fine. And I recognize that that prepared me for I'm, where I'm at now. And so I think, but if I just sat back and said, well, I don't need to be involved in a Christian community or serve at all, then I'm, I'm misunderstanding God's call in my life and what mm -hmm. I've been created for. Um, yeah. And so I think uh, it's important for folks to get involved. I, um, there was a guy who preached a sermon when I was in seminary and I just, and somebody chose the same title for the sem, uh, for their sermon back at the seminary. So this is like 15, yeah. 16 years later. And it was pick a fight. It was pick a fight. And so it's like, you can't do everything, but you can fight for something. And mm, what, okay. that's, you know, children's ministry, justice issues, um, uh, affordable, uh, affordable workforce, housing, whatever it might be, that we, we, we give our lives to something in service to others to, for a greater mm -hmm. good. Absolutely. And, you know, you're saying all of those things, and certainly at RPC, we have groups that are doing all of those things. So collectively, when we come together and use our gifts um, as, a, as a church family, we can do far more than we can even individually, which I think is so beautiful to, to watch our church family and, and the fights that they've chosen to pick, right? Mm -hmm. um, and to see just the, the good that they are able to put out into this world that we're called to care for and, um, you know, that, that God has created that we want to continue to make better and continue to share God's love everywhere we are with everything that we say and do. Um, so this is not switching gears, but this is part of what you really talked about in your sermon is what, how, are we living our lives so that we are making a difference? So you you referenced, um, well, you had the great tombstone pizza joke, but you kind of, you talked about how there's there's two dates on a, 
a tombstone, but what really matters, and you referenced a, a quote, what uh, matters is the, the dash in between. And, um, and I think that that's really powerful. I heard people after your sermon really referencing the dash. And when we're thinking about what that dash looks like, you're right. I mean, it can mean a lot of different things at different times, but I think it's a powerful thing to think about. You know, we don't have all this time. There's a start date and an end date, and we really need to be intentional about how we're spending that, that dash. So can you um, shed some light? What advice would you give to someone who is like, you know what? I feel kind of lost. I don't know how my, my dash, I haven't picked a fight. And maybe it's the same thing that we were talking about before, but how do we figure out, you know, where God might be calling us in kind of um, our faith journey? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, that's really tough for me kind of in the abstract, because I think mm -hmm. these conversations of what I would call calling or vocation are really mm -hmm. personal. And so sometimes they take some investigation, some digging in to see where does, I mean, I love that Frederick Buechner quote, you know, where, where your great passion meets the world's great need. And that's kind of a, a rule of thumb I use to say, what are you passionate about? What are you skilled at? Mm -hmm. Do you have a passion for kids? Do you, um, do you have a passion for taking care of the earth, for recycling or um, uh, whatever it might be? Um, and then with that passion, figuring out, okay, how is God em empowering you to serve and calling you forth uh, in service for a greater good. I think, and one of the reasons I love kind of that image of the tombstone with the two dates and the dash in between is because I think most of us at some points in our lives, we get caught up with that first date where we come from and we get caught in the past and we think maybe we're trapped in it, that we don't have any agency mm. to, 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 um, trans, uh, to transform ourselves, to be transformed. But then on the other end of the spectrum, we get maybe sometimes out of fear, sometimes out of obsession about that end date. When is it going to end? And, and we get so caught up in a future that we can't control that we forget to act in the moment. And so I think like it's helpful to say, okay, good and bad things have happened to me in my life, okay? But the question is, how am I going to respond to it? Mm -hmm. uh, and I read, uh, I was at the Roswell... Um, High school baccalaureate service yesterday and a young woman wrote uh, read a poem and it said you know uh you know life is 10 percent what happens to you and 90 percent how you respond now i think that's a little bit maybe because so we know people that have had traumatic things that happen right. to them. it right. feels like a little more than 10 percent. but what she's getting at is so much of our lives we feel like we don't have any agency and we do and and so i think to think about well if i have this allotment of days. I, re I heard somebody the other day say, you know, how many books you're going to read in your life? And mm. he did some calculation. If you read like 1.2 books every week, you might read, you know, 50 times 50, uh, let's say 500 or a yeah. thousand. You're, if you're, they're small books. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right. And, uh, well, when you think about it like that, what book I'm reading right now, it really matters. What I've chosen yeah. to because by saying yes to this, I've said no to so many other options. And mm -hmm. that's just, it's been like, it's kind of scary that I'm only going to read so many books in my life. But yeah. it's also helpful to say, take these choices seriously. They're mm -hmm. valuable. 
Um, and sometimes I'm going to read a popcorn, you know, a uh, book, yep. you know, I might read a comic book, but make it intentional, do it with mm -hmm. purpose. Or sometimes I might read Shakespeare. And if I'm going to do that, make the most of it. Um, mm -hmm. I think like, like that with our lives is just to, to really care about that dash with the, with the finite amount of time we have. Yeah, absolutely. I love that you brought up when we say yes to something, we're saying no to other things. And I feel like that's a really great rule of thumb when you are thinking about it. It's powerful for me. If, if I say yes to this, this might be a perfectly fine thing, but does it mean that I'm saying no to other things that I should be saying yes to? And it's, it's helpful to think about it in that way. Yeah, absolutely. Carrie, I remember, so I was a business major in undergrad. I remember I took several economics classes and the most important kind of economic um, idea that I came across that I still think about all the time is an opportunity cost. It's the yep. cost of your next best alternative. And it's usually mm -hmm. the cost we don't take into account when we're thinking about our lives and our choices. And yep. I think it's really helpful um, in the church to take kind of a really spiritual view of that um, of our opportunity costs when we're thinking about God's call on our lives. Absolutely. Absolutely. How would you bring in your return on investment into this kind of conversation in a spiritual sense? Mm -hmm. You're thinking about the opportunity cost, but also, and, and I don't mean to say this as that we are doing things to, um, like, what am I trying to say? I'm not trying to say that we're doing these things to earn God's favor. I don't mean that. I'm talking about how we're spending our time. And then, you know, is that going to, you know, get a return on that investment? Maybe, you know, that this is going to grow or bear good yeah. fruit, maybe. Yeah, yeah. So I think like the, the first point you made, I think is really critical that like, we're not trying to earn anything. This isn't a quid mm -hmm. Well, if I do certain things, God's going to give me little spiritual goodies or whatever. Um, that's not the way it works. God is saving Jesus Christ through grace by faith. Okay. Absolutely. And, and that's now, but okay. Now that I'm saved now, what, and this is in the area of what we call sanctification not grow in faith. And I think that now, um, as I, I mean, so I, I usually go with the virtues because the virtues are a way to think about our lives because they're habits of being that as we cultivate these habits, we become a fuller, greater, freer, more loving human being. Okay. What are these? There's seven major virtues. The theological virtues are faith, hope, and love. Okay. That we focus in on these, that we cultivate love, our faith, and our hope. And mm -hmm. then the moral virtues, um, courage. Okay. The virtue that um, ensures all others. Prudence or practical wisdom, temperance, and uh, what's the fourth? Um, justice, that we give people their due. Um, and temperance is moderation. Right. And so, so I think like these are a helpful way, these seven virtues to think about, okay, they, they, they contain their own benefits. As I become mm -hmm. a more hopeful person, my, my, as I'm hopeful, not just for myself, but for my family, my friends, my church, mm -hmm. my the world people are just going to be want to be around because because mm -hmm. I, I i'm hope is not like optimism but it's right. grounded in jesus christ that's why it's a theological virtue right um, and so as we cultivate these hopefully we become you know we, 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 we become more of a human being of who god has created us to be mm -hmm. 
and and it's not because we're going to earn anything, but it's like the journey is the thing. The the path yeah. is it has its it contains its own benefits, just as sin contains its own punishment. So the good life contains its own benefits, not to um, not to uh, earn um, uh, benefits that are outside the activity. So. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah, so whether that's money, fame, uh, some idea of success, that no, it's just, it's like becoming a more loving person. I'm going to flourish in my relationships um, more and more. And that's a good thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, as we um, kind of wrap up our time, you mentioned before that uh, you were at the Roswell High School Baccalaureate. And uh, I am curious. What was um, your experience? What was the coolest thing that happened while you were at Baccalaureate? Such an exciting time of the year for our high schoolers and they're, you know, graduating and going on to kind of see where God's going to lead them in life. So I was just curious about your experience. Yeah. So um, this so last year I spoke at uh, Westminster's um baccalaureate and this year I did Roswell High School so it's just always an honor that anybody would like care and want to want uh it's just a super honor that they would invite me to come and speak at such an important moment in these young people's lives and the families' lives and it's really a triumph a watershed moment but I mean honestly Carrie I felt like a little bit of not or maybe a lot of trepidation because it's been a long time since I've been an 18 18 year old you know high school student <laughs> And I remember when I was 18 that I was like, I don't know, I was intimidated by the other 18 year olds. I was scared. I was like, you know, what am I doing? And so getting back up there in front of all these high schoolers kind of took me back to that that moment. Um, But in the end, it was really exciting to see a a number of students at Roswell High School specifically who have grown up in this church, who Mm -hmm. were in the children's ministry. Their parents have served in Sunday school as elders they, they went through middle school and high school program and to see them like becoming like full-on adult human beings and launching yeah. out and really taking responsibility for their own lives is really yeah. exciting um for me as someone who's I, I guess i've been at rpc about six and a half years so mm-hmm. i haven't experienced all of that but somebody like you and mm-hmm. some other staff who have been around a long time it's just so neat to see um these young people like that they start out like as knuckleheads you know and in at vacation bible school you know interrupting the teachers and making a mm-hmm. mess and then uh yeah. you know through the faithful loving of caretaking of them to get to this this pinnacle this moment uh in their lives is really exciting it really is that is one of the most beautiful things too i think about being in a place where you know like i've been for a long time and and watching children, you know, grow and become adults and, you know, start their own families and do all of the things. It's really, it's such a powerful, such a powerful thing. Well, I appreciate your time so much today. Can you tell us what we are, we, I know next week, we've got one service at 10 a.m. It's Memorial Day weekend. Reverend Dan Christ is going to be preaching. Um, so it's, it's going to be a good day to be together. So we hope everyone will be able to join us next week. That'll be really fun. I'm really excited for Dan preaching on Pentecost and the yes. launch of the early church. I do want to let folks know 
uh, that the following Sunday, I think it's June 4th, we're right. kicking off our summer sermon series with Carrie and you and I have been working on this. It's been really fun over the past few years to take the summer sermon series and really intentionally kind of weave it in with our children's and family ministry. Mm -hmm. So we're going to, um, we're going to pair up kind of a Disney, um, you know, I hate to say kids movie because I don't want people to say it's only for kids, but cartoon, Definitely. uh, you know, animated movie. And then we're going to pair it up with, um, a proverb, a mm -hmm. proverb that we find in the book of Proverbs in the old Testament and Proverbs are kind of, uh, they're learned wisdom that you gain by paying attention to the world. And I really think that, um, these, these movies, these cartoons, that Disney and Pixar and other um, studios do are kind of secular parables. And mm -hmm. so we'll see how they kind of merge with these Proverbs and how they can uh, inform our own lives as we uh, try to become more wise people. So I'm really excited for that this summer. It's going to be a great summer. I'm so excited. All right. Well, thank you so much, Jeff. It's been a pleasure as always. Thanks, Carrie. I'll see you soon. All right. Bye-bye.